Dear Jesus, thank you for this time uh, together where we can pass off our babies and we can enjoy pumpkin stuff and we can um, just be together and, and sit. God, I pray that you would um, use my words, Lord, that you would use this time together to encourage um, these mamas and that they would know just how much you think of them and think toward them and how good your plans are for their lives, Lord. We thank you for all that you have done for us um, through Jesus. Amen. All right, so recently I heard a very um, funny commercial, or it's funny to me, it probably won't be, um, or wasn't to you all if you've seen it, but there's a new watch out now. I don't know if anybody's wearing an Apple watch, so I'm going to make fun of you for a minute, even though I am an Apple person, or I consider myself an Apple person, but I was watching TV one night, and I saw the commercial for the new Apple watch, and it's like, this does more than tell time. And then, like, goes through, like, you know, these cool hipsters jogging by the beach and, like, all these different scenes where they're, like, wearing this cool watch and telling you all things it does. Um, but I'm just going to read you some of the phrases. I had to go look up what words it says. I went and rewatched it. But it opens up doors. It communicates with satellites 12,407 miles above the earth. It wakes you up and gets you on the subways. And then it goes, like, it texts your friends. It reminds you to breathe. And so it, it tracks your distance, even underwater. And so, like, I'm cracking up as I watch this because my mind goes to, and I don't know if it's just because I'm married to a videographer, but my mind goes to, like, what pictures it's showing us while we're hearing those words totally changes the context of what we're hearing. So, like, if you, like, my mind, whenever it said, you know, tracks your distance even underwater. I'm like picturing Hunger Games when they hide under the water and they've got like icing on them, you know, to hide from the evil. And if you haven't seen Hunger Games, you're missing it. But anyways, so that just made me realize like context is so important because you could, I told Marcus, please, please, please grab the words of that and overlay it with other stuff, like just so we can laugh. But I don't know if he'll do that. But that brings us to like so many of the words, you are so far away back there. Um, so many of the words that we see verses like plastered on Instagram and we reshare them or we like, 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 it's like if we miss the context, you know, of where those verses are living in the Bible and the context of the whole book, the whole of God's story, um, we can miss the picture because it's, it's probably not um, the character hiding under the water, you know. It could be the cool watch, you know, that's telling you how far he swam. I don't know. Um, so, I just want us to think of that as we jump into Jeremiah. Um, to give you a little background um, on Jeremiah 29-11 as we're headed, um, it was written by Jeremiah, who's known as the weeping prophet because his message wasn't a popular one. Um, God was having him tell the Israelites, hey, you're going to be um, under my judgment because you didn't listen to me, and it's going to be 70 years. And there were other prophets at the same time as Jeremiah that were saying, God told me it's going to be short. We're going to be out of here. Babylon's not going to be in charge of us long. So don't worry about it. We're on, we're on our way out of here. And, and God's message to Jeremiah was different. Um, so just to give you a little background on what the Babylonians were like, um, King Nebuchadnezzar um, had actually taken Zedekiah, who was king of Judah, or appointed as king of Judah um, by Nebuchadnezzar, and he had 
made him watch his own sons be murdered before him. Um, and then he poked his eyes out, and then he took him captive. And so this is the context of the verse that we're hearing um, in Jeremiah. So let's read um, Jeremiah 1, 29, 1 through 13. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles, and to the priests, the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother, the eunuchs and the officials of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the metal workers had departed from Jerusalem. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of somebody. And whom Zedekiah, that's our guy, king of Judah, sent to Babylon to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and it said, Thus is the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let the prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So the false prophets um, had been basically saying, don't make your home here. And then God says, it's going to be 70 years. And so just, I put that in the context of my own life. I just turned 30 this year. Feels weird to say out loud. Um, but, so 70 years for me would be 100. So if I was in that particular situation, I would be thinking, not will I see this promise fulfilled, but will my kids live long enough to see this fulfilled? Will my kids' kids see it? And so just thinking of... Um, that in the context of the verse of God saying, I know the plans I have for you, um, kind of brings it into a different light. Um, what Jeremiah was asking of the people was that they would submit to the Babylonian rule as a response to God's judgment. That they would respect those that were above them that were so evil and not for their good, knowing that God was going to use it for good. Um, the word in verse 7 that it mentions a couple times, you'll see it says, Seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For it is in, your wealth, in their welfare that you will find your welfare. And that word is actually um, shalom or peace. And we know, like big picture Bible, like true shalom is only found in Christ. And so um, when we stop at asking God for using us, like sometimes day to day we're like, oh well if we're kind people will know, if we're, if we're just good people, people will know, and I feel like even in this verse God's saying like hello, true peace, when we're asking for true peace for those around us, or true peace for our country, or true peace for the world what we need to be praying is that Christ, the true shalom 
um, is known by people in the world. And so that brings us, that welfare verse kind of brings us to, um, to where I wanted to sit today in Jeremiah 29, verse 13. Um, another translation says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, say the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. And I like that. Um, that's actually the King James Version. And um, one of a uh, quote from Charles Spurgeon, he says that it's not that God's just thinking of you, it's that he's thinking toward you. That God's thoughts are drifting your way throughout the day. And I just thought, I don't personalize scripture enough. I mean, I quickly, easily will grab a promise and try to put it on my life without looking at the context like we just did, like where we're looking at where, um, who is Jeremiah and who's he originally talking to. But just how amazing is that? Because thoughts are drifting toward you all the day. That his plans are for your good, even if it's going to be 70 years of stuff that feels like yuck. That he has good plans for you. And it's for your welfare, which is for your peace. Um, like we know that word to mean. So um, I think it's interesting that he follows that verse with come to me. Um, he says in verse 14, I will be found by you and I will restore you. Sorry, I read the wrong verse. Um, verse 12, um, then you will call upon me and come to me. These are people that in the Old Testament, they were told to come to God in the temple. And they're in captivity now. They can't go to the temple. And God is saying, come. And so God invites us in the same way. You don't have to fix yourself. <laughs> That's not the point, and you can't. He says, come to me, and you will be found by me. And so I think it's, there's this paradox in our minds sometimes between Old and New Testament where we, we see God differently. We kind of look at God in the Old Testament as the mean God, and then somehow he's nice in the New Testament with Jesus, and we're all good. And we miss these moments in the Old Testament story of the Old Testament, um, just how rich it is, where God is saying, just because we're not aware of that culture, like God is saying, come, even though you can't follow my rules. Like he's telling them, come close to me. So I just, I think that's so cool because we're reminded even in Malachi 3, 6, it says, for I, the Lord, do not change. So the same God that we know in the New Testament is the same God of the Old. And um, that brings us to where I want to jump ahead here in the, in the New Testament. Um, in Luke 18, 1 through 14, we have the story of the persistent widow, and we have the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector as they're praying. And so I'll just read that real quick. Um, Luke 18, 1, it says, And he told them a parable, as Jesus, to the effect that they thought ought to always pray and not lose heart. And Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. And for a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says, and he will not... And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And um, an interesting uh, thing I came across in my study on this was um, Charles Spurgeon said that too many prayers that we pray 
are like a boy's runaway knocks, given, and then the giver is away before the door can even be opened. How quickly we just knock, knock our prayer, and we run away, and we don't wait to see if he's going to open the door. Um, so in response to God asking his people to come, knowing that he has a good plan, knowing that it may not be in our timing, um, he says in Luke, keep bothering me, be the persistent widow. But he carries on the story um, in Luke, in verse 9, he says, And Jesus told his parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and, he treated, and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and another a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of everything I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So, what do these passages tell us about God and his character? It tells us, like we talked about at the beginning, that Jeremiah 29, 11, he has good plans, plans for our peace, plans for that hopeful end. He wants us to come as we are. He says, come to me, even though you don't have a temple and you can't follow those rules, that those restrictions that, um, that keep you away. He says he hears us. Um, He's the opposite of that unjust judge that that widow kept going to and kept going to and kept bringing her request. He's not that way. He's not that way because he has a heart for you, a heart that thinks towards you, plans for good. And he loves to answer prayer. He's not, he's not reluctant to help. Um, it says in that Luke passage, um, and the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay? He won't delay, ladies. He won't delay. He's not reluctant to help us. So our response to this, I think, is not only to pray for shalom or the peace of others, like Harry said, pray for the peace of where God has planted you. Think about those places that he's planted you, those different responsibilities, those different roles that you have, whether it be a neighbor or um, your role in your different volunteer efforts or your role at your kid's school or just those other areas, instead of just praying um, for the basic needs that come to our mind, we can pray for the true peace, the shalom of Jesus to come to them. And we can trust God's plans. We don't, we don't lose heart um, because we know that he's better than the judge that the widow is going to. He's so much better. Um, and we know that we come on the basis of Christ's righteousness. Um, just like the Pharisee was coming on the basis of his own, it says that um, he trusted in himself that he was righteous and he treated others with contempt. We can repent of that when that pride comes up in us and we can say, God, no, you are my righteousness. You are the only reason I'm able to come to you um, on behalf of others on behalf of our own needs that we're asking for. So I'd like us to, uh, as we try to connect these two passages on, on prayer, to just think about the big picture in mind that Ultimately, God had a plan for the Israelites, right? He wasn't going to kill them all 
because Jesus was coming through that line. And so there would be survivors through that Babylonian exile because he had already promised that Jesus would come through that line. Um, because ultimately he was about bringing peace to the whole world, um, not just to the Israelites. And so I think as we, um, we keep that big picture in mind, we can remember that, um, that prayer is powerful and so therefore it's not always going to be easy. We might feel like that widow sometimes knocking on the door. Or we might feel like the Israelites where we only want to hear the good news and we don't want to hear Jeremiah saying, it's going to be 70 years here. You might want to make this your home. Um, so as we, as we close to our discussion time, I just want to leave you with one more thought. Um, there's a quote by David Gusick that says, if prayer were powerless, it would be easy. And so that's been hitting me for a while. Like, it's not going to be easy, but that's because it's powerful, because we're going to God. So um, as we discussed together, um, uh, my prayer and hope is, is that we encourage each other to, um, we're not here to compare ourselves against each other's walks, but we can encourage each other. And we can be, um, we can be brought near the heart of God because we can be challenged by other moms around us and what has been helpful for them in their prayer.